0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before
1: we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba. a couple of things to talk about. The QuantEdge.com, new great fantasy baseball action going over at the QuantEdge.com, and they're offering great lineup optimizers, injury tools, Vegas Tools, so, so much more over there. They also have NBA playoffs still alive and kicking. And football will be back later this year. If you want to go try it all out, though, get the MLB season pass for $124.99, you can get a first month of all sports. to get the NBA playoffs and baseball for $19.99 or a five-day trial for $5 by using promo code Bubba. So go to thequantage.com, get the tools you need to succeed, and use promo code Bubba to get there. Also, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. Would help the podcast move up the rankings, and more people could see it and listen to it, and everything would be fine and dandy. Now to bench with Bubba, episode one seventy, with our good buddy Joe Pisapia, talking some fantasy baseball fab action and recapping episode five of season eight, Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 170. Gonna recap the week seven fab action and recap last night's episode of Game of Thrones. It's episode five, a big one, very, very big one. In order to do so, had to bring back a friend of the podcast, a friend of mine. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Pisa, P 17 Joey P in the house. How we doing? You,
2: you know what they say, Bubba, in Brooklyn when you're you know part of the family and the mob. You're like a you're not you're a friend of ours, as they say, Anthony Brasco. That's what that's what I am, as what you are to me, a friend of ours. We're part of the family here, Baba. That's what it's it. all about. I'm great, man. I'm super excited to talk a little uh, sports and a little Thrones. What's better than that?
1: Yeah, there isn't much better than that. It's one of those things I've been trying to make a point on my Monday episodes to get someone that loves the Thrones to recap it with me, and uh, it's been getting very very fun. At docking last week, your boy from Fantrax. Yeah. And then uh, I got Mr. Modica next Monday. So
2: Oh, oh, you got Modica for the finale. That's (laughs) lots of thoughts. Look, I've watched the entire series now four times. Oh, boy. I am am a super fan. And I'll tell you what, every time you watch it, there's things as it progresses that you see that have been laid in there and put in there so nicely and things you go, oh, my God, that's amazing. Or look at that moment or look at that, you know, tiny little nuances and pieces and little shots here and there. That are just so wonderful and just so well done, and uh, I think that's what makes it such a special series. Is you can watch it over and over again, and you keep finding things that are so great about it.
1: Yeah, and that, that's why I uh, I wanted to have you on for this episode because after the battle, I I, I didn't know how it was going to go when I t- we talked, but we also had an idea that things were going to get uh, pretty deep, pretty deep, real quick. So uh, I was looking forward to having you on to talk about this, and we will get to that here soon. But first, we got some interesting things to talk about here. We got Jamison Tyon of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, we were already concerned about his his arm injury. Now they're saying he's out till at least early July, if lucky, if not longer. When you hear information like that, news like that, Joe, how are you – like if you're a on owner that was maybe holding out hope, do you still hold out that hope?
2: Well, this was pretty much procedural anyway. I mean they were basically shutting him down for six weeks and then letting him build back up anyway. So this is not shocking – but I think what it does is it drives it home for you a little bit. <laughs> it says, yeah. look, it's going to be 60 days, and it's the middle of May. So that means not the middle of June, but the middle of July. And you've got to look yourself in the mirror and understand, I think in redraft leagues, I, I think the first thing I would do is if I was a tie-on owner, I would look to the teams at the top of my standings if they were above me, and I would be seeing what I could get from them that could help me now because 60 days is a long time you can fall completely out of a race in 60 days. So I think I would be moving on from Tyon because you don't know what kind of setbacks he has. Uh, There is a coin flip, you know, kind of like every time uh, a Targaryen is born, God flips a coin. Same thing with a pitcher who has some sort of (laughs) forearm issue, same kind of thing, same issue. You flip a coin. It could be Tommy, Tommy John, or it could not be. Uh, But I think that this is something I'd move on from. It becomes more complicated. Like in my dynasty league, I have him in there, and I have him at a nice price, of like twenty bucks, with like a five dollar increase next year. And it's frustrating because I don't want to give up on him, but then I'm really worried because, uh, and then what if I next year? Then I, if he's out with Tommy John, then he's really gonna miss most of the year. If he has it in the midsummer, it's gonna suck. And then, uh, it's just a disaster. So uh, I'm kind of like between a rock and a hard place. But in dynasty leagues, I feel like, or keepers, you just have to bite the bullet, dude, and just hold him and hope for the best because you don't want to give up on him because pitching is so hard to find. So, but redraft forget it. I'm I'm moving on if I can.
1: Yes, but now would you just up and drop him or would you have to trade him to get rid of to to move on?
2: Oh, I don't want to drop him and I think okay. somebody out there. If I'm a and I'll and I'll give you the inverse. If I am somebody who has Jamie who has you know who's at the top of the standings I would be looking for a guy like Tyon or Severino yes. right now I would be acquiring those guys chances are the teams that drafted them right now are looking for some now help and if I'm a team that's kind of kicking ass in the standings I'm like hey I could take a flyer I can give up a if I give a Sunny Gray up and another piece or something like that or you know some piece that I haven't had all year let's say I'd Scooter gannett and another pitcher and a pitcher that I could just give well, why not I mean that's a that's a that's a pretty good deal and I think you take that and you run on both ends of that deal. And I think that's what you'd be looking for right now.
1: Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Let's talk about another pitcher real quick that uh, hit the DL or IL, uh, Tyler Glassman. Yeah, it's hard
2: forward. to break the habit, isn't it? Yeah, it's like San I'm Diego like, I'm like
1: 50-50 on that one. It, it's it's really – it's like a coin flip like we talked about. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ty, Tyler Glassman is out four to six weeks with a mild forearm strain. It's never good to hear a pitcher with a forearm strain. It's going to be shut down for a few weeks before he starts throwing again. We just talked about Tyon's level of concern. We know Severino, you mentioned him out for a while. What are your concerns with Tyler Glass now? Because, you know, people hear forearm strain that usually is a precursor to a very bad situation.
2: It almost always is a precursor to a bad situation. So this is, this is not going to end well, chances are. Um, and I, I'm looking at this in a situation where it's a shame. It's very sad. You can't dwell on that. You know, I think a lot of people who drafted Glass now did so with a lot of fervor and a lot of, I know I'm going to be right about this. And they were, and that is the hardest thing to do is then to sit back and go, okay. And now it's over probably. So, (laughs) you know, nobody wants to believe it. Nobody wants to, you know, to think that it's going to happen to them until it does. And it has. And for me, uh, I think it's something that like the tie on situation, you act exactly the same. You look for an owner who's above you. You see what you can get and you try to move on and redraft. You're stuck in dynasty. You're stuck in keeper because you don't want to give them up and you want to hope for the best, but I don't know. I'm actually slightly, if you had to, if I had to choose between Tyon's news and kind of the things that are coming out of that camp versus the glass now stuff, I would probably lean towards tie on a bit, but I'm yeah. not really excited about either prospect to be tell you the truth. I think they're both probably, you know, more likely to be headed in the wrong direction, unfortunately, which just sucks. Because, I mean, how many freaking pitching injuries can we have in one year? It's not even Memorial Day, and I swear to God, it feels like half of Major League Baseball is on the I.L.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I know you guys kind of talked about that on that sleeper in the bus that was really awesome about fixing baseball. And it's just been a concern all around because it's just injury after injury. I make – I, I make a tongue-in-cheek joke almost every episode. I, I do two a week, like three days apart, and it seems like I, I have no problem filling the news section with multiple IL stands. Getting in, oh, that's, that's the what it is. Thing. The news it's is, oh, crazy. that's the
2: same thing on my show. It's, yeah, crazy. it's crazy. I, I, I can't tell you. Like that's basically everything. Like, hey, welcome to the show. Here's who's hurt, and, yes. and it just it sucks, man. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. But you, you, you mentioned it with Tyon on, and you kind of mentioned it with Glass now. If, you're, if you are doing dynasty and redraft, if you want to tell your boys tomorrow night that I'm stealing this from their show, that's fine, because they asked me the question last night. What would you do to approach the um, dynasty talk with them? Say you're a team that's like in last place or towards the bottom and a team towards the top has a glass now, a tie on a Severino even. What do you what do you t- right, let's just go clash now by itself. What is it going to take to make that trade?
2: To make which, I'm sorry, I may not follow you.
1: If, if you're in a dynasty league, I know I went all over the place. Oh, you in a dynasty, dynasty situation to get and glass. If you're now? at the bottom trying to, to trade or to try to trade for glass now from a guy near the top, what do you think is a fair trade in a dynasty?
2: Uh, you know, I think it's ironic, probably a piece like Honeywell, like something like that, cool. where there's a little bit of risk there. I feel like that's the thing. It's like you you're going to end up with another risk reward prospect kind of piece. Um, unless you're gonna take a, a guy with a lower ceiling, kind of a pitcher too, and I think that could be in there. I'll tell you what; I mean, if you could get Josh James or something like that for him, I'd take that and run. Okay. I think that that's the kind of guy that I would want—somebody who hasn't quite hit yet but still has ability, or somebody that is also kind of on a questionable run right now or coming back from injury, and you're just not a hundred percent sure how that's gonna go. But you know, you're not gonna get Casey Mize for him. You're not gonna get one of those top prospects right now. I don't think that's a possibility but i think a guy like honeywell would make sense because you're kind of dealing with the same issue and if honeywell bounces back and he's okay and he pitches well here and he gets a shot he might actually be the you know the guy who takes glass spot potentially at some point later in the summer yeah that's pretty crazy let's go to the new
1: york yankees they rushed miguel and back from the il and now he is back on the il with his shoulder who saw that one coming um, <laughs> big shocker here. Does this mean we should really start to buy into Gio Urshela and his fantasy value?
2: I do you have a choice right now? Like, I don't know. Like,
1: like I, like I tug and cheek talk about Urshela last episode just because he's playing so well, and now he actually has a road to playing time.
2: Yeah, uh, I I think yeah, <laughs> you know the whole Yankees team. I've kind of thrown my hands up because when all the injuries happened so early on with Judge and obviously Stanton early on too. And of course the Severino one, and then you had Paxton, and it's just like you just keep adding them to the list, and the list goes on and on and on. Sanchez was out for a while. And you look at the bottom of this lineup, and it's literally it looks like one of those teams from one of the major league movies. You're like, who the hell are these guys? I, and and I like to fancy myself, uh, pretty knowledgeable when it comes to baseball. But there's been some nights where I look up and I go, who? <laughs> like I'm just Joe, I'm, I'm, I, I'm with
1: I'm with you. I'm pretty savvy with the baseball knowledge. Pretty savvy. I kind of write a book every year. Yeah. yeah I've like, done this multiple <laughs> times this year. It's been like who the hell is this guy? Literally, like you said, the perfect analogy the major league movie, but you know, that's good stuff because yeah, I'm with uh,
2: you. Yeah, so I mean, I think you have to buy into him certain extent because of playing time. However, it's going to be short-lived because eventually you're going to get DD back and when DD comes back and and LeMayu I I got to say and this is something you probably won't hear a lot of fantasy analysts ever say i was wrong so far about dj Lemayu <laughs> because that was a guy i wanted no part of because every stat that you had on the split suggested this guy was at best an average player at best away from cores and that scared the hell out of me but he's been very good since he went to the american league and maybe they just haven't figured him out yet but when they will it comes crashing down i don't know but what i can tell you is he's played well enough uh you're not going to be taking torres out of the lineup so uh, you know eventually you're basically going to get DD coming back. And I think that'll then kind of solidify whatever they're doing in the infield. And I don't know if Urshel is going to really crack that rotation at some point, but that's still, you know, a couple months away here.
1: Yeah. And that, that's the thing here. So if you can ride the hot streak while you can, I'd say in deeper leagues, it's interesting. I never thought that would happen, but it is 2019 after all. Um, let's re- revisit something. I know we talked about it when you joined me in the preseason is Carlos Martinez of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's coming back from his injury, could come back as early as this weekend, going to be coming out of the bullpen. What do you think they're going to do with him? Because I know you're a proponent of him being a closer at one point. Do you still believe in that?
2: I still personally believe it's the best role for him because it's so controlled. It's a short spurt. You get him up there. You let him just go lights out, balls to the wall, go for it. And then it's a clean inning. That's it. And then he can only pitch so many days in a row. Some people say, well, if that's a good role for him, to which I, I say, well, you can't pitch him in the 6th, 7th, <laughs> or 8th inning. Because, exactly. Because what you can't have, I know, my dogs love me. I love you, too. Yeah, I love, I love you, love too. You. My I don't have dogs. Bubba had dogs. I have dogs. But, honestly, I look at this and I say, that would be the craziest thing to pitch Martinez in the 6th, 7th, or 8th inning. Because if you do, what happens then is you get him up and down, up and down, or pitching in weird spots or pressuring him into high-leverage situations that are uncomfortable for him that he's not used to or there's men on base when he comes in. And I just don't think that's the best way to handle him. And I think we're we're seeing so far that being a six-inning guy, seven-inning guy is really not as bad either. So why not convert him into a closer and do what everybody else is doing, which is build your strength of your pitching rotation or whatever you want to call it, your pitching staff, I guess, more accurately build it from the back forward because it's working for some other teams.
1: Yeah, no, that's the way we're seeing a lot of teams do it. So it will be interesting to see how they do that. Cause I agree. I don't think he, I don't think he has what it takes anymore to be a starter. We've seen this come a few times. I think he's still, maybe he's not broken anymore, but we've seen this too many times with him, but a short short stretch, like you're saying out of the bullpen, preferably in a closers role could be interesting. It could give some breaks to Hicks and uh, Miller. So it'd be really interesting to see what they do there in St. Louis. Cause they do have a lot of options just, not all the greatest of options. Let's revisit another topic. Jose Altuve heads to the 10-day IL with a left hamstring injury. It's kind of scary because he he was just doing it, running out a a ball to first, which used to never be a problem for Jose Altuve. First off, what's your level of concern with Altuve right now?
2: Uh, It's, you know, I would say at a four or five, I think it's just a matter of trying to make sure that he doesn't push himself too hard to come back because that's the kind of personality is. I think this was – Actually, you know, sometimes when a guy goes on the injured list, I'm actually happy about it. And this is the kind of situation I'm happy about because knowing Altuve, knowing what kind of gamer he is, he's not the kind of guy that's going to want to sit. So if you make him sit, he has to heal up. He has to get right before he comes back. Whereas if he goes out there and he's not 100%, that's when bad things happen or, or bad things go to worse. So I'm actually happy about this. And look, Diaz has played really well. He homered again today. Got him in the DFS lineup tonight because of uh, because of the cheap price. The algorithm hasn't caught up to him, and he's been hot. He had a good weekend too, so Diaz will be fine. They've got enough offense; they'll be fine. Their problem is the back of the pitching rotation. That's the problem right there.
1: Huge problem. You mentioned Josh James earlier. Do you think he's the next one up? Do they? Do they I wish you know, he was. Q, I'm,
2: I'm buying all the shares of Josh James everywhere he was dropped on the cheap in the last week or so. Just, just, yeah. just on the off chance, because if what happens is when you get around June first that that traffic goes away for Keiko and Kimbrel, So mm-hmm. curious if they bring back a Keiko, I mean, you know, for them, it wouldn't matter with the traffic anyway, but curious if that happens. And if it doesn't where else they possibly go now, they have the kind of organizational depth that they could put together a deal for a bum Garner, which would be scary because if be you think about, bum- I'd be pumped for that. Well, I'm just saying like you get bum Garner, you get, uh, Verlander, you get Cole in a short series. I mean, that's kind of game over. <laughs> you know, yeah. but look, not, not only did they lose, you know, people forget they lost Morton, they lost mm-hmm. McCullers, and they lost Keiko. That's a lot to lose in a rotation. And as great as Verlander and Cole are, and they are all world, that's tough to come back from. And, and I feel like they thought they could patch it together with the Wade Miley's and Peacocks. And I know everyone's excited, McHugh. I thought there was potential there too, but I don't know. I just. As a Met fan, I've seen enough McHugh in my life that I know what the other side looks like. So for me, I, I just was kind of hoping that Whitley or James would kind of step up. And I think James has pitched better of late. Uh, but, you know, his ERA might not show it, which is why you could probably pick him up or get him on the cheap right now. But I, I don't know, man. I think it's either groom one of these guys and throw them in there, or you're going to see them make a move for a team that thinks, you know, that they're out of it sooner than later and bring in a, a big-time guy. And they've got the pieces to do it. Now, it might cost him a Whitley. But, you know, I mean, I it's hard. To, I mean, with that rotation, don't you think they'd be the favorite to win again?
1: Oh, no doubt about it. They'd be the favorite. I mean, the American win League and, is kind
2: of weak anyway. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. They'd be the favorites to win, at least get to the World Series. And you think they, they have to keep going for it while they have this window. I'm not saying their guys are getting old, but they're not getting any younger. And eventually they're going to start paying guys as well. So, you know, they gave Verlander a couple year deal. They want to sign Cole. You, you go for it while you can, so I, I don't see why not uh, give it a go. It'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um, back to Altuve. We had this discussion preseason. You, you had Altuve as your top second baseman. I had Whip Merrifield as my top second baseman. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that at the moment?
2: Well, I mean, you know, the nine home runs from <laughs> Altuve look pretty damn good there. I mean, look, it, the thing was for me, I mean, this was a guy who had a top five overall fantasy value two years running. Yes. He has one down year where he's hurt. And then everyone wants to like you know take him and throw him away. Same thing with Chris Bryant, it's literally the same issue. And I have all the shares of Altuve and Chris Bryant that could possibly have fallen to me. And uh, you know April was a little slow for Chris Bryant, but it looks real good right now, don't yes, it? Indeed, really yes, indeed. riding that wave. I'm patting myself on my back with my healthy shoulder, my there healthy Chris Bryant shoulder. But <laughs> you know that's why you can't panic. If you believe in something, yeah. you believe in a player. You can't let that happen. And I love Whit Merrifield too. And and part of the reason why. I value both those guys so much is because the rest of the crop at second base from a relative position value, which is how the Black Book uh, values players in terms of how much better they are than the fantasy league average. Those guys were so far and away above everybody else at second base that it just was a no-brainer. And as much as I love Merrifield, it was also a matter of, okay, well, what's the offense he's in? How's that going to work out? And Altuve, I looked at, is more of a self-sustainable player And look, I mean, Merrifield's continued to be a very good player. The fact he's going to play more outfield now, too. Uh, And Merrifield's another one of these dudes where I would not be shocked if they trade him. He's got a very, very friendly team contract. The Royals are in complete rebuild mode anyway. They could get a haul for a player like that. Merrifield is a good, versatile talent. Can hit different spots in the order. I would love to see him on a contender and see what he could do. So don't be shocked if he's a guy isn't moved. And I thought that contract was amazing that they got him to agree to that. And I think a lot of teams will give up a haul because not only could you have him for the stretch run, but you got him locked in for a couple of years at a very reasonable cost. Yeah, I was shocked by that that, that deal.
1: Like, I understand he's older than most people remember, but uh, no, I was very surprised by that. he got. Hey, you want to play a
2: fun game, Bubba? You like games? I love games. What you got? I got a game for you. Guess how many days were lost to the DL or the IA? Oh well, no, it was the DL still last year. Guess how many days Major League Baseball were lost to the uh, to the injured reserve? Oh my goodness, that's gonna Take be a guess. Like
0: total it's in the thousands, d- so yeah, you know I'm, go gonna, ahead.
1: I'm gonna say like seventeen hundred. Higher. Oh wow, you're not
2: even close. Thirty
1: five hundred. <laughs> Keep going. Oh shit! Five thousand. <laughs> higher (laughs) this is depressing just tell me 7 Seven thousand three hundred and
2: thirty-seven. i knew i had the number in the black book so i had to go pull it up so while we were chatting before i went into the little word document from the black book 2018 uh, 2019 for baseball pulled that bad boy up and there it is so that was a record uh the previous record was the year before when it was uh, about 6900 so uh 10 days it's almost, really. <laughs> almost 21
1: years it's
2: almost 21 years and then, you know what the irony is it makes you want to drink
1: yes yeah look at oh look at you
2: look at me look, look at me here. making dad jokes that's it's like what you've I do. done this before i drink and uh, i know things yes, <laughs> but do. no but, ser- but seriously though it is depressing and this it's is horrible this is the state and i'll tell you what i don't know what we're at this year so far uh i don't know if i can find that information out uh, but i mean let me tell really you yeah. something that is, this is stunning. <laughs> well, and, and it ma-
1: and it makes you think, you know, when Derek Holland just came out saying I had a fake injury they put me on for, how many of these guys are going on with fake injuries, making our life miserable? But these guys are, we know these teams are working the 10 day system. Like, this is crazy what is taking place right now.
2: Yeah. Oh, the funny thing is, too, this one place has a uh, money spent on the DL thing, which is kind of cool, too. So oh, almost $169 million on the disabled list last year. Jesus. <laughs> Wow. wow oh baby that is fun
1: that is that is a, that is a
2: good time yeah and yet and yet baba we are in an age where everybody like we have the greatest athletic training and greatest mm-hmm. analysis and all these incredible things we can do physically for these guys and they play less they play less than when keith hernandez used to smoke cigarettes in between yep. innings and they they play less then when you had like fat bastards like Sid Fernandez pitching yeah. and I don't understand this. I don't understand what happened. Where's the disconnect here? Because clearly there's a difference between training for the Olympics and training to play baseball. Yeah. And there's some kind of disconnect. It ain't working, man. It ain't working.
1: Yeah. There's one reason why I said I always loved baseball growing up because I was never the fittest kid in the world, but all shapes and sizes could play baseball. Oh that was my the God, yeah. of it.
2: Look at and John Kruk. Look,
1: look yeah. at that guy. Look at Mark Grace. He closed down every bar in Wrigleyville. and He'd be there for an 11 o'clock That's right. Day.
2: God <laughs> bless him. God bless him. And he was there. <laughs> there for Daryl the Strawberry was
1: knocking it out in between innings and it didn't matter.
2: Oh, my God. Dar- I mean, come, all those guys. It was just insane. It was crazy. And yet, and yet they showed up. They took a couple of greenies and boom, bring back yep. the greenies. Bring yep. back something. I don't know. Bring back. I keep saying it and I know I'm unpopular, but I don't care. i say it anyway. Bring back some sort of controlled level of hgh yes. use for guys to come back for injury quicker if they can televise it on television in commercials yep. i don't know why guys can't take it <laughs> like when they prescribe it for my mom when she has a hip issue i don't understand why they can't like prescribe it for somebody to come back from from some sort of baseball injury i just don't understand yep. it i mean come on let, let's be grown ups here can we use it properly Yes, can it be abused? Sure. Let's not abuse it. Let's be smart let's help these guys do the thing they want to do and the thing we want them to do.
1: Yep, it was a beautiful game when we had Roger Clemens throwing a hundred and Barry oh, Mazzec- it was seventy great. home runs. Great. I love. It was do you remember time. when
2: guys were hitting thirty home runs? And you're like, boy, it's kind of a down year. <laughs> is, it, is it even the All Star
1: break yet? Like, really?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, my Vinny Castilla's only got twenty five home runs so far. Jeez, what's going exactly. on? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Crazy times. Crazy oh, it's times. So fun. A couple more pieces of news here. Vinny V goes on the DL or IL again, did it again for the Phillies. Does that mean Nick Pavetta time, Mr. PCP? You
2: know, it could. I don't know if they want to rush him back, but there's a, there's a, I'm not sure what his ownership is. I don't know if you want to check that out, but yeah. if, if somebody dropped him, I think this is the perfect time to pick him up and see what happens because he has been good since they sent him down there. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting a guy mechanically right and, you know, giving him a, a step away and a deep breath. And I'm not the biggest Pavetta guy, but free is great. <laughs> so he's, if he's out yeah. there, you know, now the, I always wanted to acquire Nick Pavetta, not draft Nick Pavetta. That was my mindset on it. And this is the perfect time to acquire him, I think, right now, if you can. Yeah,
1: 24% of Yahoo leagues, 39% of ESPN leagues. So he's definitely All right, so,
2: out I mean, about. more than half of leagues he's, you know yeah. – Almost, so it's that. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good.
1: That's not bad. They say. Yeah. Uh, last piece of news here: Malik Smith coming back from the IL most likely on Monday, if not Tuesday. He's owned in about fifty percent of leagues right now. I even saw a guy in TGFBI drop him this week for JP Crawford. That shocked me. Not sure what that was about, but uh Smith was crushing it in his little detour to fix himself in the minors. He, you know, steals are hard to come by at times. Do you have interest in grabbing Malik
2: Smith? Uh yeah. I mean, roto leagues, you have to respect the speed. Uh, again, it's not my favorite format. I know, and again, unpopular. I'm like, I'm like the unlikable guy in fantasy. I say all the things that you know. It's like I like you're points the, leagues. You're the Clint Eastwood of the fantasy. Gotcha. <laughs> if I want to be that, I want to be somebody cooler than that. That guy's old and weird now. You know, yeah. <laughs> somebody told me in that last movie he did like he's he's got like a threesome scene like. Like, of In course the mule,
1: he, Clint has a threesome scene?
2: That's what I heard. I heard that. Oh and I'm thinking, about, and of course, he directed it. So, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to thing. figure out which is more unbelievable, the fact that he has a threesome scene or the fact that he's like a 90-year-old guy running drugs for some Mexican cartel? Like, I don't, I don't know. But that's pretty must crazy. be good to be Clint Eastwood. You know what? I take that back. It, i do want to be clear it. <laughs> i just wanted to say after that last comment are you sure about this What's i think i've talked myself part? into it that's right i'm my own man oh outstanding
1: <laughs> outstanding oh we're having too much fun here before we get to the game of thrones part of this let's do a little fab talk uh, every week i like to go through the most added slash most expensive kind of just interesting names that got picked up throughout the week some weeks way more than others and if it gets boring we can make fun of people for just bidding outrageously so i have all kinds awesome. of fun with this um and it just proves that no one listens to my show because they never come and ask but um charlie tilson he's leading off for the white Sox right now extremely cheap i don't i don't expect you know anything fancy here but he went in over half of the leagues in tgfbi when as high as 51 do you have any interest in a guy like charlie tilson right now
2: well, I think when you see people being aggressive on a player like that, they're, they're looking at the fact he's hitting the top of the order. They're looking at the number of at-bats. Those extra at-bats can add up. And, you know, White Sox have had some moments offensively too. You know, Anderson and Makata have shown the best versions of themselves. I'm still not a hundred percent sold. It's still, it still is just April. And, uh, you know, I was looking at Tim Anderson and just, uh, you know, there's a lot of flaws that I still see there with him. So, I, I can understand the Tilson, but let me put it this way. I have zero shares, and I'm not crying about it, but yeah. I think right now that's another sign of just – this is part of that sign of the desperation of the number of guys in the DL every year, and we just kind of – we're just – or IL, and we're just kind of looking and trying so hard to find bodies. And sometimes if you can't do it with talent, you have to do it with volume. And I think a guy yeah. like Tilson can do that.
1: Especially like, – I like to remind people this is for 15 leaves leagues. League. Fifteen team leagues in TGFBI, so you are bargain basement hunting at times on names you might not be grabbing elsewhere. But uh, Chris Martin, he's been getting the, the save opportunities for the Rangers right now. Um, he went a, a ton of leagues, 15, 16 leagues. Three leagues took him at one twenty five, one twenty six, and one twenty six. So he got paid, but some went as low as nine dollars. That's why the spectrum of bids are mind-boggling <laughs> at times. Like this is why so- I
2: hate the thousand dollar budget. I yeah, hate it because the spectrum the is somewhere. Well, what do you bid on him? I don't know. Somewhere between nine and 126. I think yeah, that's the number. It's like, that's, ridiculous. That's, it's quite a range, Bubba. I, I, yeah. Well, my favorite part of that is I just – every time somebody overpaid in a draft for LeClerc, I just laughed because I just – I get looking at it and I'm like, this is the trap. Here's a, Here it is. And I do this every year in the Black Book, and I say the same thing every year. And if you listen, chances are you do pretty well. It's two things. You either pay for the elite guys – and you do so in leagues where you have mandatory RP spots where you have mandatory relief pitcher spots. All of a sudden that becomes a very tricky position and you have to treat it differently than something that's wide open in those kind of leagues, which is a lot of Yahoo kind of formats have that kind of thing in it. Some CBS leagues will put in stuff like that. Uh, but outside of that, if it's just wide open, the worst thing you can do is overpay for the middle tier because the middle tier is the one that will crush you. It has the most turnover. And the problem is in the middle tier, that's when you're passing on really good, solid veteran position players. And those guys can contribute on a daily basis. And these guys contribute, I don't know, 40 times a year, if that, and I think that is, that's the difference. And to me, it's like, either you go for the top guys or you just completely just shop in the basement and just head your bets and take some shots. And you might be right on one or two, and then you play the waiver wire like you do now. And I just, it's the overpaying for the middle that just drives me crazy. And every year it's the same nonsense, and every year it's a failing strategy. Look at Cody Allen last year. That was another guy that I was like, don't overpay for Cody Allen. It's the worst thing you could do, and look what happened.
1: Yeah, and that, that's why one of the things I brought for discussion a lot in the preseason with the constant bullpen struggles is based what you're saying. You pay for the best, or you just kind of play the game. Um, I, I was saying, do we move up our thoughts? Because that used to be a big bugaboo. Like, you don't take relief pitchers early, this, that, and the other. But like you're saying, if you can lock down – Two of the best relievers you lock you never down have to worry 70 about the Well,
2: oh, but here's the thing like to be competitive in saves on a year and a 12 team, you, you need like what, like 75, 80 yep. to be competitive, give, give or take. Yeah. Right. So you can lock that down with two guys who are going to give you strikeouts and good whip and all that other good stuff. Well, that's a no brainer. Yep. You know, you Seems can't, you, you can't, you can put yourself in position for wins, but saves are going to come to a certain extent anyway. You're going to get a number of saves, a finite number between. 25 and 35 from the top guys, usually more like 30 plus. So, I mean, it's, I just don't get that. You know, you could find another half a dozen or a dozen elsewhere by playing the wire, but geez, man, to go in there and then just go and just lock up saves. I, I don't see why people don't do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think
1: it's a good philosophy. I think we're going to see more of it as these bullpens continue to get murkier and murkier.
2: Well, uh, that's another thing too. When you add that in too, when everything's a committee now, there's less and less yeah. sure spots to go, which is even more to the point why you don't overpay for the middle.
1: Yeah, look at Jose Alvarado, probably the best reliever in Tampa Bay. He hasn't had a save chance since the middle of April.
2: I know, it's crazy. We talked that about that yesterday on Black and I, I I didn't realize it had been that long. And then so I went back and I was like, here's everything that happened April 7th. And I was reading <laughs> all these things. And it was like Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown were in a fight on Facebook or somewhere oh, on Twitter or something. Like, that's how long ago it was. Like, that's that what was going like on. An it like eternity ago. It was WrestleMania weekend. It was when Bret Hart, Uh, got attacked at the hall of fame. (laughs) Like that was April 7th. Like that's the last time it's happened. So there's a little perspective for you.
1: Yeah. That brings it into perspective for you. Let's talk some more perspective. Danny Duffy coming off a couple of okay starts at a two, two step this week, went from two to $57. You know, Duffy's can be one of the most tilting guys because he can see him pitch gyms or just get destroyed. You know, in a deep league like this, does Duffy have some fantasy value for you, or is he if just you a catch him on a streamer? good
2: run? I think yeah. I think it's the two starts really why you saw the aggressive bidding. Okay. It's teams looking to stream, wanting and and p- partially because they want it, but partially because they don't want it done to them. I feel like Danny Duffy is the when you see a, a fifty dollar Danny Duffy bid, it's like protective. It's like I'm, g- I'm gonna try, and I'm sure as hell not gonna let somebody else do it to me because I'm gonna be pissed if I'm the guy that lost out on him. And I'm going to make sure that I at least, you know, cock block somebody else from getting him. And I think that's kind of more where it was. Pretty
1: much. Uh, Gini, Gino, your or Gio, your shell went for $1 to $40. Gio Gonzalez went all the way up to 81 bucks. I'd like to take who, by the way, I the
2: drafted league. in, in, in TGFBI, And then I waited for like two weeks. And I was like, I just can't wait anymore. And I dropped him. <laughs> I was like, I, and, I, either, yeah. I either did it in
1: TGFBI or the bar fleet. I can't remember which one it was, but I did the same thing. And it was like, okay, well, it
2: looked because it made sense. He's a free yep. pitcher and you see what happens. And of course, what does he have? He has two starts against the Mets, a team that he dominates throughout his entire career. And there you go. Like And then now he looks like gold, and now people want to spend 80 bucks on him. So you can't win.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, this one, I'm really curious your thoughts here. Hunter Pence went in about 14 leagues. Went from anywhere from $11 to 188 That was a <laughs> little, steep, little steep there. little steep, Carry Klug in League 3. That was a little steep there. But uh, the next closest bid was $88. But uh, what's your thoughts on Pence? Because all peripheral stats look decent, but, you know, he's getting older.
2: Well, I mean – He's old. Let's just say it. I mean, he's not even getting older. I mean, if he gets any older, <laughs> just, I'll say this. Hunter Pence to me has always been a professional hitter. He's always been one of my favorite players to own. I've always owned a ton of Hunter Pence shares over the years because he's a guy that did a lot of things well. And I love that kind of player. And then he had a lot of injuries. And unfortunately, the back end last couple of years has been bad. I think it's great that he's having a nice little run. It's a favorable home ballpark. I think there's another way he's like, you ride the streak, but you can't think this is a – it's not a long-term fix. This is a short-term game. And I think to spend $200 on a short-term game is just madness.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Uh, Mac Williamson got the call from the Gigantes, big-time power guy in the minors. He showed See, that one I like. Times. He went from 8 to 133 I can't plus. quit him.
2: He's my yes. broke-back mountain. I just can't quit that guy. I, I, I drafted him when he was in his first year with the Giants organization in my dynasty league a couple of years. This is the, I'm in this crazy, t- it's been for 10 years now. It's a 2014 dynasty league. It has hardly any turnover. It's me and Melchior and Scott White and uh, Heath Cummings. And it's a bunch of those dudes. And it is a super competitive league. You have one bad injury, you're basically done. It's, it's really tough. But Williamson was a guy that I scouted, drafted, had in my minor league system. And that league is 10 minor leaguers deep, each team. So we are rostering 240 minor leaguers. And that's not the guys that you have on salary that are really premiums will come in that you got to put on salary because you, you can't let them go to the wait till the rookie draft because it's not going to happen. You're never going to get those guys. So
0: yeah,
2: it's it's crazy about that. And Mac Williamson had so much talent and he got hurt and then he started to have a good run last year and then he had the concussion issue and then it's just like it's just never ending for him. And then this year it was like okay, finally maybe he's going to get it. And then I had him everywhere and I had to drop him. I had to drop him when he got sent down. I just needed the roster space and the spots where I had him. And of course, I didn't want to overpay to pick him up. And I hope he has a good run because all these years I'll be, I finally (laughs) approved something of of what the time I wasted on Mac Williamson. But look, alas, it is what it is. I wish him the best, but I would certainly throw a couple bucks his way. What was the highest he went for?
1: Uh, 133.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah, the,
1: the next one was $73. So Brad That's Coleman of Baseball HQ went steep. The next one was Gray Albright from Razzball went
2: $73. Gray's a character.
1: But it's great with Gray's because it shows you that the next closest pick in his league, the next closest bid was $2.
2: Yeah, well that's, a, <laughs> that's <laughs> you know that's that's the thing, man. That, that's, that's the my fun part is. of fab. Well, it? but like fat, but you don't have that happen in hundred dollar fab.
1: No, no. You no don't things. have
2: that. You have Not much more discipline, much more careful things. And I don't know about you, but I like a lot of these expert leagues, they have the rule where if you pick a guy up, you have to start him that week. Yeah, which I garbage. freaking hate. That's it's so, it's such hot garbage. And it's like that in tout forever, and I just it's the dumbest thing ever. And I just like why why? Why? Because no you want to make zero why? sense. Right, because you want to prohibit my ability to think ahead, or you want to penalize my ability to be proactive. Like, what, what kind of nonsense is that? I just it's the dumbest rule ever. I hate it. It's blasphemy. It is blasphemy. Well,
1: uh, let's go to a guy that you know could be blasphemy eventually. Is Ronnie Rodriguez, <laughs> who's crushing the baseball for the Detroit Tigers, went from eleven dollars to sixty-one dollars to FSAA in my league. Uh, next closest bid was like forty bucks. But uh, what's your thoughts on Ronnie starting every day at shortstop, middle of the order, showing a little bit of pop? Uh,
2: look, I, I, you definitely got to ride the wave. I mean, he's not a spring chicken. He's twenty seven, so it's not like he's some like twenty four year old kid who just came up and everyone's like, "Oh my god, where'd this guy come from? It's unbelievable." But uh, you know, he was not a guy that I saw coming personally in the minor leagues. He, he's a three, you know, he's like a two sixty kind of hitter, two seventy kind of hitter. He doesn't have a whole lot of great on base skills. That's the thing to me that I think is the the reason why i'm not gonna buy into it right away uh whatever the power is when, when you're the batting average doesn't always you know make the thing for me to me it's about what's the obp what's the strikeout to walk ratio what do what these guys do and what kind of play discipline or pitch selection do they have because that to me is what's going to determine whether or not he's gonna be a good major leaguer because when we get to the major leagues and you face better pitching that becomes a much harder thing to do to be successful than it is in the minor league level as raw as some of the talent is at double a. It's just one of those things you look at it. But like, for me, I look at it, he's a career, you know, 300 OBP guy. And that's not the kind of player I'm going to get excited about. I'll tell you, he's the perfect guy on a hot streak to turn around and trade and deal for somebody else. I would be all about dealing him. So sorry, Ronnie. I it's, it's nothing personal. I just don't like your
1: OBP skills. <laughs> Yeah, but Ronnie Collin, next episode we can talk
2: about it. Ronnie um, Collin, I would love to talk yeah. to you. I think you're a great guy. You know, he does Sischick. great charity work, and he like he doesn't have. And look, you can deal with a 300 OBP if you have power like Joey Gallo. I could give you yes, but he doesn't. <laughs> so, exactly, you know, like, he does not. Know. He's he's running he's, hot
1: right now. Running, hot. running hot, baby. Uh, Steve Sishek went in about 14 leagues, the highest bidder. Jeff Erickson in my league went for $98. Pedro Stroke went to the IL. So right now it looks like six jaws, but there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle there. Are you buying in on him being the guy right now, or is it just an absolute mess in the Windy City?
2: It is an absolute mess in the Windy City. I, I mean, he's the guy right now, today, but, I mean, when the wind blows out at Wrigley, somebody will also be new. <laughs> yes. I mean, where's Brandon Morrow at? Uh, what's, what's his deal? He, <laughs> he had another setback. Oh, another setback for so That Mark,
1: might be one know. of the worst contracts I've ever seen. When they signed that, I'm like, "What are you doing, Theo?"
2: Well, and that's the thing. It's very funny to me because there's been a there's been a thing around the league. It's been two schools of thought. There's the oh, whatever, it's three outs, it doesn't matter. Let's not make a big investment. And then there's the school of thought of people go, "No, this is super important. And the more we can get these bullpen's right, the more we can really build, especially for playoff teams and I don't know, man. I, I look at that situation there, and I keep looking at Kimbrell out there, and I don't understand why. I guess Kimbrell's just waiting to see who's going to give him the most money and the most time. I don't think a five-year deal was kind of absurd. If he gets a three-year deal somewhere, he's looking for a place where he can go and win more, and I yeah. think that's what he wants to do. He wants to. I don't blame him. I want to go pitch for somebody where I'm going to win. I'll tell you what. Atlanta's looking better and better. I mean, yeah. that's another one that's a mess. Yes, so many messy bullpens right now, man. And
0: that's I'll tell you joke. what, the
2: other one – too, is like that That kid, Shane Green, has pitched so well this year in Detroit. Yep. I would be hedging my bets and picking up all the Joe Jimenez shares I can right now for the cheap yeah. for a dollar. Pick up Joe Jimenez and you wait and in a month or so when some team goes early looking for more relief help, Green would be at the top of the list, I'm sure, for a lot of teams right now.
1: Yep, 100% agree with you. That's why I was telling guys Recently, like Reyes Maranta for the Giants. I'd be picking him up as yeah,
2: well. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because Will Smith's going to go, too. Yeah, yes,
1: big fan of him. So there's there's definitely guys you could go get now instead of paying $98 for Steve Sischik. All right. That ends the fantasy baseball portion of this podcast. Now we enter the game <laughs> of the rounds. This, this is what Joe and I keep. do I don't know about you guys. So yeah. Yeah. go, <laughs> continue. No. But um, episode five, the penultimate episode. <laughs> Mm. of game of thrones like this was what we were hoping it would be before we get into the details here how satisfied were, were you with this episode
2: very very uh you there there is uh, i don't know if you've seen me on social media today but i've been i've been i've been uh salty oh, I've, I've
1: been fighting the battles on the opposite side so that's why i'm oh yeah, i'm the perfect guy well
2: <clears throat> well here's the thing it's i understand and and i i i I understand everyone has high expectations and the show has set a bar that it's incredibly high. It's almost Shakespearean esque how high the bar has been set with this program over the years and the high quality. And I understand that people, some people, you know, have built it up so much that it's very difficult almost for them to enjoy it. And they feel like it's over before it's starting. And, and they don't know how to, you know, because it's not the normal thing. And then last year it was only seven episodes and now it's only six episodes and how I'm going to deal with this. And, and I get all that, and I had to wait two years for it, and it's all going to be over so fast. And Just enjoy the ride. I mean, this is – the Daenerys heel turn, by the way, has been a long time awesome. coming. Yes. And it's been a long time coming. Anybody who was like – I was in an, not an argument, but a discussion with uh, yes. with Drew Loftus today about it. And he was like, I can't believe it happened in like five seconds. I was like, five seconds? What the hell have you been watching for the last two years? Yeah. Like, she's been burning Tarley's last time I checked. She's yep. been burning Dothraki's. She's been kind of going a little crazy. She's had the tendencies. And now all of a sudden, you know, she, she comes and she helps and she saves the day. And now she's realizing that now she's in a new world and mm-hmm. she might have a dragon, but she's not the one that everybody wants to lead them. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, all the other difficult situations she's in, and then she loses the girl, the Misande woman, and then mm-hmm. Jorah dies. And it's been a bad stretch, dude, for her in a short period of time and you could see the snap coming and i thought the snap was great i mean it was horrible but great
1: yeah i have zero problem with it that's why i am glad we get to talk about it here cuz you can only say so much on twitter obviously before and people never understand it's always their viewpoint and no one else's mm-hmm. but um i had no problem with that at all like i i liked the episode i'm just disappointed in how fast things are going that's just me being petty like that's just cuz and that's like fair you,
2: that like see that said, is healthy
1: like that's like, because like we talked, like you said it, like we built this bar. So I don't want it to
2: end. I don't want it to ever end. No.
1: And like, for Bubba, me, I want it to go made, on the
2: rest of my life. I want there what what to be Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones
1: so good was the drawn out story arcs. Like I would have loved to see an Arya and the hounds ride to King's Landing. Like the stories and the, the conversation would have been amazing. And we used to get that in the older Game of Thrones.
2: Bubba, think about, oh, just in that episode alone, all the conversations, actually the, the, the previous episode, all the conversations you did not get. Exactly. You got the like, precipice. Like he turns to Bran, and he says, "You tell yes. them, that right?" And I'm waiting for so them to tell, the and I'm waiting for the for for them to unload this, and then they don't show that. Like, what That's do you horrible. mean? And then and then there's and then the scene with Tyrion where uh, Sansa says, "What if there was another person?" And he's yeah. like, "What do you mean?" And then they never show that. Now I don't know if they're going to go back and show these things or not, but they're probably not. That's the stuff that they could have done, yes. and it could have been. I, I'm with you a thousand percent though. There were a lot of opportunities that got cut short, yes. but that's part of, unfortunately they are a victim of their own success because yep. every episode, they have to pay every actor by episode. And yep. that is a ton. It's an S ton of money. As somebody who's been in the industry, I was a professional actor for 15 well, years. I,
1: I've heard now it's like 15 million at this yeah. point because of all that <laughs> they've all made. So I get it. I understand yeah. that aspect. It's just me being petty going. Okay. I grew up watching this. And now I'm watching this. It's like, I want back to the the first one (laughs) here. That's all. I
2: I, I said this to a buddy of mine today. I'm curious what you think. Now I've, I've watched the series four times and I did watch them all again. I do watch one season a month leading up to this season. And it was very fun to do it that way. And I'll say this. I think when all said and done for those who feel like you do, if you go back and watch the entire thing again, and then you watch season seven and eight together as one season, Because then it's only, what, 13 episodes? True. I think you'll have a much more satisfying feel when it's all said and done. I think the fact you had to wait so long and and you are missing the little – you're right. The show – part of the beauty of the show and the success of the show is because the delicate small moments that they let play out. And it's just – it's incredibly well-written and incredibly well-acted and it's just – but the people who just want to pick it apart for the sake – like I was in a Twitter fight with some idiot today who's like – like it's just unbelievable that the you know the White Walkers wouldn't have killed more of the main characters. I'm like, no, all those main characters needed to live because they all they, have purposes yeah. to serve in the narrative. You idiot. they needed to go to
1: King's Landing,
2: right? <laughs> they needed to go to King's Landing. They all have <laughs> you a purpose. Like the ancillary characters have fulfilled their destiny and their prophecy yeah. of the things they had to do in that. Well, you know, but it's the uh, and then this guy can get away with. It. I'm like, it's, he's just going. It's completely unbelievable. Like you know, and I said, wait, but what is believable is the fact that there's a army of dead people <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like that's that's that you're okay with but yep. you're not okay with the fact that they can kill so many people and then other people they seem to have a hard time killing that's your problem that's where you draw the line in be- believability at just you know some people just more
1: yeah and, and and that's all it is it's like and that's why i was just kind of like it was such a whirlwind fast kind of like whoa what is going on episode and then when it would end i'm sitting there going i have so many questions that have not been answered right now and I'm You know what I've like, been doing that's been uh,
2: therapeutic too that's helping before the next week's episode I rewatch the previous oh,
1: one I'll rewatch this multiple times. That, we 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 record yeah. them and we we haven't deleted one episode yet. Like we, them
2: no, yeah. we watch them. No, yeah, we I watch them and to rewatch them before the next one it kind of helps quell that feeling that you're having which I totally get cuz I kind of have it too. And as somebody who like I said I've worked in the industry and I I've I've you know worked on I've written screenplays and I and I'm like I'm an actor like I did community theater like I'm a real actor like I yeah, you've done the you stuff know. you have a, you yeah, have a I SAG I credit. Still, I do I I still vote for the awards you know there I still have a SAG card and a card and all that stuff and it's it's one of those things where it, it's so glorious and it's so wonderful and I'm looking forward to the spin-off shows and I'm looking forward to different stories told in this setting and i'm sure some of them will be terrible and some will be great i'm i'm hopeful that they'll be great but i think that everybody's got to realize that they're getting so caught up in trying to find fault or trying to or being disappointed in the narratives that they've built up in their own heads with their own fan theories and all the other okay. stuff that they're missing out i feel sad for them in a the yes. way that they're missing out on something really special here and one of these great Pieces of television that we'll ever see, and possibly will the greatest.
1: Never, I think yeah, we might not ever see anything like this ever again. It, it's absolutely well, I know crazy. they're doing
2: a Lord of the Rings show on Amazon.
1: That could they be interesting.
2: A, they got a big chunk of money in this, where they're gonna. It's I forget what the story is, but it's in that world of you know that
1: could be pretty sweet.
2: The whole Middle Earth thing. So like they're trying to. This is going to be Amazon's version, trying to compete with that, and I think it's smart. And they're going to have a built-in fan base and all that stuff. But you know this this was. I didn't watch the first season of Game of Thrones when it happened because I knew I was going to like it so much and it was going to be so good. And I remember, and Sean Bean's one of my favorite actors. And I saw him in it. And I was like, son of a bitch, man. If this show, if I watch this show and they cancel it, I'm just going to be so mad. <laughs> you know, so I waited for the second season and then I binged the first season and I went, oh my God, it's so good. And then I had to wait. Like after I watched it in like two weeks, I had to wait like a, a week in between every episode. It was torture. Was tortured yeah. after waiting. <laughs> you
1: know that's the worst. That's the worst right now. Yeah. That's the killer part. Uh, let's but think talk about, about part... how beautiful
2: it was in the opening too. The very first oh, yeah. scene of the episode today, uh, the, uh, yesterday rather. Tyrion is walking in in that room in Dragonstone, and do you see in the backdrop the the dragon's mouth.
1: Yep, and right he above stops, his head. and he's right.
2: Yep. He's actually in physically in the he dragon. He's
1: done that every time he's walked in there the previous episodes too. He's right there and, at that. Spot. And that specific that every moment. Time
2: and you could tell that specific moment he really was in the mouth of the dragon, yeah. and it was it was it was a dangerous place for him. And Varys is one of my favorite characters, yep. of uh, and of all the show. And the scenes between the two of them have that always been magical, and the scenes yes. between him and Littlefinger were always spectacular. And I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, what were those notes he was writing, and where did he send them? Yeah, did,
1: did they get sent out? Is what I want to know
2: you know some of them did because he started early in the day
1: yeah and i would love to know where those went because he was spreading the gospel i'm imagining that Jon snow is the right flair to the throne i'm imagining and who's the prince of dorne that's a great question you know, they, they kind of dropped him, that in there that.
2: Yeah, yeah they they dropped it in there like the new prince of dorne well who the hell's that <laughs>
1: yeah. well that's that's the thing and if that, that's where it's like if we had our normal schedule we would probably know these things
2: yeah and, and you know everyone's like well I don't understand. Arya wanted to kill Cersei for all these years, and she finally gets there in the hound. Well, let's like, talk. Let's away. talk
1: about. Let's talk about right. the Cersei thing real quick. Okay, okay.
2: you know okay. I love her, so be careful. Yes. Well, oh, okay. that's fine.
1: Um, to to <laughs> me, to me, all the great villains of this show have had a proper death. Like things have been great, even as simple as Littlefinger getting his throat slashed by Arya. So many amazing deaths. To see the rubble crusher to me wasn't justified. And I've heard the scenarios, well, it's her kingdom falling on her, it's her and her brother, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. I see I see the poetic nature of it, but from a fan standpoint for me, like I want to see certain villains get their Cummins, and that didn't feel like she got
2: hers. Well, you know, it's funny. It's it depends, I guess, on your point of view of her as a villain. And I understand that she's not sympathetic, but I always found her to be a very empathetic character in a lot of ways. Well, you saw because that
1: yesterday. All of a sudden, when she lost her power, it just changed her But whole you've seen that in changed. little
2: pieces throughout the series. See, when you go back and you start and you realize, you know, she she had feelings for Robert. And then the first night, you know, he calls out the other woman's name. And she loved her children. The first one was a real P.O.S. And, you know, when she tried to love him through that and all those things and make the apologies and they ended up, you know – being taken from her and then the daughter she loved and it was taken away from her because it was just the thing. And Jamie was given this and this Tyrion was giving that. And meanwhile, she was the one who used to listen to the father and she, you know, she, and then you go on and on and, and it continues on and the things that she did. And then the whole thing with Tom and then the whole thing with the religious people. And, you know, she is always, you know, power has been very important to her, but she's also been the person who constantly was told what to do, when to do and how to do it. And then eventually she was like, no, I, I mean it, it's a, it's funny it's the irony is a lot of people see Daenerys as the strong female character in this and I always thought it was Cersei. Oh Cersei's me, definitely
1: the strong female character. To um, me she is the Daenerys one who says is weak.
2: I I always agree. I thought she was the one who said no. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to show everybody this is how you do it and this is how you take power and if she was a man people would never look at her quite the same way they they they'd call her a bitch and this and that and all these things You're 100% and 100% yeah, correct. Yeah. It was a metaphor you're right over the the kingdom coming down and falling upon them and then, you know, being kind of encased in all that. But at the same time, I love the juxtaposition you got there because you had Daenerys who is this, you know, this humanitarian becoming evil. And then all of a sudden you saw the humanity in the character, everybody perceived as evil. And I thought that was a wonderful turn and all those things. Yeah. It could have been done a little bit better, but I mean, you know, we could, yeah. we could like, I always, always put to everybody. Okay. Well, what's your idea? Oh yeah. <laughs> you no, know? and I agree. That's why I yeah, and some people nitpicking. do like, you probably have some good ones. I know I have some good ones too, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know what? It's good enough. It's like, good. Enough. And they to... say, why didn't she just kill her in the red keep? Because yes. she wanted her to watch. That's why.
1: Well, like what I would have loved to see, like, why didn't she at least give a little flyby? like, Hey, what's up? Like g- g- go make contact between it. The like they never even like saw each other. And I'm sitting there going, she wanted her know.
2: to watch it burn.
1: Yeah, well, she did, she, well. she did that very well. She did that very, very
2: well. And, and you know what? And people want to say, you know, why didn't Arya do what she did? Why'd she turn away so fast after all those years and all that stuff? You're right. Maybe if there had been some more conversations on the road between them, you're absolutely right. Maybe that would have helped that moment well, a little bit not feel so rushed. Well, you saw it She's going like, to kill the queen. Yes. She's going to kill the queen. Yes, the prophecy will. will be fulfilled next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there.
1: I'm with you there. The whole green eye narrative is still in play. Um, yep. When, when you... When you see um the hound and he basically tells Arya, If you keep if you come with me, you're not making it out, basically. And he grabs her by the back of the head and you see you almost see a picture of Arya back when she was a girl, a little girl, traveling with him, and it's almost like her whole head switched, like, Okay, I need to get out of here now. Like this is this isn't for me anymore. I'm not this badass as I think I am. I, I am, but not as big of a badass as I think I am. And it's time to get out of well, here before th- things get real south. That's I the way I look at it. Th- I
2: think it. I agree. And I think that the I think a couple things changed her. I think sex always changes everybody. The first time you yes. get laid, the first time you get high, always change you. Changes everything. I think you're never quite the same person after those two things. Uh, exactly. And then I think I think that whole thing with the White Walkers and everything really has – there's something about like, okay, you've just defeated that. And now there's perspective a little bit about what matters and what doesn't. And I feel like there's like a protection level in her family that she feels it's it's necessary. There's something else there. And maybe it's just another feeling of the destiny, but I, I definitely, now I don't know how it's all going to go down yeah. and I, I don't know how they're going to do it in an hour and a half or whatever they've given themselves to do it, but it's, it's definitely going to be messy and it's definitely gonna be awkward. And I don't think Tyrion's making it out either. I no. really don't
1: No, I think he's going to get, I don't know if it's going to be the various treatment, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's pretty similar.
2: Yeah. It's, it's going to be she interesting to see she did and he did it again. And, yeah. and I think, you know, Varys has always been right. Yep. And he's well, always he right about that,
1: He flat out said that, I hope I'm not right this time, but I'm afraid I am.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and he was, and he always yeah. is, and that's why I love Varys. And yep. I, I think also maybe Tyrion, because, you know, he's he, he lived long enough to help his brother go out the way he wanted to. So Tyrion's been on borrowed time anyway. So if if perhaps there's any sort of, feeling like they, they there's some sort of full circle feeling of all that with the Lannister family. I think that's pretty good. I, you know, I'll take that. And if Tyrion has to go because of it now, he's made a lot of mistakes. That's yes. the only thing too. There's been a real, that character has been so magnificent. And the second season is my favorite. Tyrion as Hand of the King is my favorite season.
1: Oh, he's one and, of the best. He is the best character yeah. to me on that show.
2: And Blackwater is probably my favorite yes. episode ever. And yeah the funny part about that is like, you've seen this magnificent mind over the last couple of seasons, just make all these mistakes. And then I guess at a certain point it's like, well, you know, maybe, I don't know. That's, that's what's kind of sad about it. Is you're kind of seeing him deteriorate because he made bad mistakes in Marine. He made mm-hmm. bad mistakes and everything in the conquest since they've come over. I mean, one after the other, after the other. So I don't know, it's going to be fascinating to see how they figure this all out, but I mean who's your who's your money for who's on the throne at the end?
1: I've been saying it for a lot of this season. I think Sansa's there or there is no throne. And I think it's just seven individual kingdoms kind of run together.
2: You know what? That's that wouldn't be shocking.
1: I think Sansa somehow has her power. She's a, she's either queen of the north, she stays up there, or she runs the whole damn thing. Because you know what's just...
2: interesting about that? That fulfills the prophecy she said of uh of I want to break the wheel. Remember? Yep.
1: Yeah, still we still have a woman on the throne, just like yeah. we wanted.
2: Yeah, you got a, you got Sansa on the throne, and, and I don't know where Jon goes, but Just uh, <laughs>
1: think, think, think about it, Sansa is almost a clone to Cersei. They're both just as smart as powerful, as do it in different ways. But mm-hmm. like Sansa has turned into, like she said in that thing with Alan, If I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be the little. I'd, I'd still be the
2: little. Well, or whatever. it's funny you say that because in that Blackwater episode, there's one of the great exchange scenes between Sansa and Cersei. Where she's basically yeah. preparing her. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where she's saying, you know, this is what you have to do. And this is and when you're a queen. This is what's expected of you and all these things. And and she's like preparing her, preparing her, preparing her. And it's such an incredible exchange between the two mm-hmm. of them. And, you know, all this insight because she sees herself in her. Oh, Same yeah. Same thing. It is, that's I'm this, what I'm saying.
1: I'm this, like, I see spitting images there.
2: Yeah. You're right. It's a, it's, it, that, and again, this is what makes it such a great show because yeah. here we are. You could sit and you could talk for hours about it. With all these little things, and they're all there for a reason, and and that's it's just great. And this is what this is what's so much fun about it. And this is why I get sad for people who are all up in arms and and mm-hmm. not fulfilled enough. It's like shut up. Yeah. Just well, that's know, why I'm glad.
1: That's why I'm glad we got to talk about it because I can't explain it to people on Twitter. It's not that I don't like the show. I just I had such high expectations. I'm like God. I want I want this. I want that. Right. I know I'm not going to get that.
2: You want more indulgence of it, yes, and I, I want and I the storyline.
1: I want the like the stuff we got that the juicy details, the depth.
2: I didn't feel rushed last year, but I, there is a feeling of yeah. Like John didn't have the moment with Ghost. John didn't have the moment. Well, look at like Bron wargs
1: into something. What
2: did he do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, what was that?
1: We used yeah. to always see Bron I mean, like in a raven or something. We'd see him soar for at least two minutes. We saw nothing.
2: Yeah, uh, there's a there's a lot of the moments there where yeah. you're expecting scenes and you didn't get them. You got yeah. bombs dropped and then no exactly reactions. And we're used to that. We're used to the exchanges. We're used to these things happening. And it's funny because what what's the big problem with this generation of people, right? Nobody has an attention span. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not true. Everybody has an attention span when you put out a quality product. And at the exactly. end of the day, I mean, it, and it's funny. I mean, like to bring it back to fantasy. That's what I was trying to do. It's like, it's like, Hey, you know, it's funny. I put out a book every year and yep. people still read like yep. they read Shocker. because if it, if it's, if it's quality and it's something that's going to help them and it makes sense to them, they're, they get, they like it. I mean, it's, just, like, it's not, like, it's not rocket science here, man. It's still yep. how we work. It's just, I feel like nowadays we have less. Uh, we have less of an attention span for crap. We have I'm less of an it. attention span for things that aren 't and and our meter for because we have so many things on demand available to us. we just don't have to indulge anything that 's even moderately good. It has to be great to get get our attention. I feel like
1: okay, two quick ones for you um, aria 's whole experience there kind of i know she had to be the witness to the deal. It stressed the hell out of me it made i 'm shocked she 's alive like some weird things there. Do you think Bran is the white horse?
2: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Because
1: how did her and a white horse, be the only things that survived?
2: Uh, I think you're absolutely right. That's very clever of you. I didn't even think about that. But, you know, I, it brought me back to one of my favorite movies, Tombstone.
1: Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Where, what, the what's apos- the line? Apocalyptic
2: deal. Right, too. the apocalyptic line. they were talking about yep. Doc Holliday. And beware exactly. the pale horse, for he who sat upon him was exactly. death, and hell followed with him. Yep, and that's pretty much <laughs> what it was. You
1: saw, like, hell and brimstone everywhere.
2: Hellfire yeah, and, and that's on. and there you go, and there is the white horse, and I and I like and that. she's prophecy. gonna go right and
1: take down the devil. Like, well,
2: Bogman was telling me that there's a prophecy in there about uh, something about the um, killing the lion and this and this, and there's like three things, and obviously the lion's dead now. So yes, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that all plays out because if you notice too on the band on the on the opening, there's something going on there with somebody with the head of a lion. Holding the head of a lion and then something else, and I can't make out what it was. I I forgot to pause it the other night and watch it, but there's something there that we should all go and look have to at. Go before back and the check that out now. <laughs> You yeah, know what I'm talking intrigued. about? Where like the rings yes. are circling in the opening. Yes. There's I've been like staring at them on. harder and
1: harder because you always had the family crest up there and everything. I'm like, yeah. Oh, what do we and have going the on? Coffee There's coffee people, you know.
2: And then two weeks ago with the stupid coffee cup, like you know what? Who yeah. gives a shit? <laughs> a, who cares? <laughs> I didn't even I notice it. I didn't it even because... notice it until I didn't notice shit. it either. And then I see it and I'm like, really? And I went back and because I DVR'd it, it was on. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. there it is. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure like, enough. okay,
2: so they scrub it and it's over. And I and I love their response to it, which was, ah, eh, she ordered a latte, uh, tea is whatever that's funny like just come on like it's a show it's just it's never gonna enjoy it the worst thing is that it it took so long to get there because everyone's been it's built up in everybody's mind for
1: this we've waited for this moment for years
2: yeah and that's a problem and i'll tell you what the one thing too i always uh say that i'd love to see is i would love to see a series based in all, all the prequels of this, because knowing yes. the story and how everything unfolds, it would be great to watch that unfold. Um, they're never going to do it, but I guess never say never. Because
1: yeah. that would, you know. I would just love, I'd love a full prequel of just brand starting out the episode, warding somewhere and getting to hear, see all the stories that way.
2: Well, and I'll tell you what, that would be spectacular. And you have that as a plot device, but even if they did it as a special event, even if yeah. they did it as like a, a, a three week thing where they did that story of how everything kind of you know, Rhaegar and all that stuff. That would be yeah. fantastic to watch. It'd be so fun. It would, it would you know take people back, and it could be different actors and stuff. That's fine. It's not a big deal. Who cares?
0: Who
2: cares? Yeah, who cares? I mean, they use they use the twelve guys to play the mountain. I mean, come on. Yep. Like we get there's so many wacky things, so many recastings in that show. I mean, and and what gets everybody's panties in a bunch? The goddamn coffee cup.
0: <laughs> like yeah, that's exactly. that's
2: what that's that's where you're gonna get all your your nuts to worry about. Like, come on. Last question
1: Ugh. for you. Last question. All right. All right. How do you think it ends?
2: You know, I was always hoping that Cersei was going to end up on the end, and that was going to be <laughs> the ultimate. You game are of the throws. full heel. You are I'm full heel, heel because that was the ultimate fu ending, which is, which was who wanted it more. And I always felt like she wanted it more than everybody else. She wanted it for a different reason because she understood exactly what it was better than anybody. Like Robert didn't understand what it was. Daenerys thought she understood what it was. No, she knew what it was to be queen, and she knew what it was to rule, and all that stuff. And that's why I thought it was to be classic Game of Thrones. Nope, you're not going to get your revenge narrative. It's never going to happen. Um, but that seems to be out the window. Yes, yeah, I, I still think somehow John ends up on the throne. Mm-hmm. I like to think that Tyrion ends up as his hand,
1: That but would be I guess that, yeah.
2: but I guess it's probably going to be Sam instead. Which would be uh, great too. Which would also be good because I just don't think Tyrion's going to make his way out of this one. No, I don't think so. I just I'm trying to figure out how they get to the point where it's basically her army, and then you've got his northern guys. So if she gets knocked off, like how how do you deal with that? <laughs> like yeah. if Arya kills her, how does everybody look at Jon? And, and it's not a civil war. Like I don't know. It's very. I don't understand unless she takes herself out of it, and that's 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 a tough the one. only. That's the only thing I, I, I can see of where it's going. That that she's that there's remorse for her snapping and and doing what she did, and then the horror of what she's become. I don't know. Okay. There, there's a couple. There's a couple outs, and I'll tell you what. No matter what, how it ends, there are going to be people who are upset about it. Yes. And yes. everybody should just understand it's a story. And you've been given one of the, you've been given such a blessing to be alive during this, (laughs) to see all of this, you know, to see this come to start from start to finish and to be able to rewatch it and to know that there's other stories coming that they have in the works that are spinoffs and things like that, which are going to tell different time periods. Have you ever seen, by the way, um, the, there's like an animated version of the beginning of the story of how the Targaryens came to power. Have you seen this?
1: Never even seen that. I'll have to check that out.
2: You gotta check this out. It's like an anime kind of version. It came along with season six or seven. I, it came along with it in the DVD, but yeah. there is a full forty-five minute to an hour uh, animated version, and it's really well done. Uh, and it's all narrated by other people in the show, like the guy who oh, played Viseros, It's uh, narrated by, uh, I might be Davos and a couple other people, and, and and it's all in there, and it tells the whole story of you know how the Targaryens came to power the dragons and it's and it's fascinating and if you love the show it is one of the great like kind of history lessons of it and I'll tell you what I wouldn't even care if somebody gave me an amazing animated series based off of it that'd be awesome because that that's a cheaper way to do everything Mm -hmm. and I would be all for that too and I think that's a really cool way to continue telling stories in that world
1: I think you're on to something, Joe.
2: There you go, baby.
1: Well, I appreciate you joining me. Before we wrap it up, I didn't do it in the beginning. I forgot because you got me talking thrown right out the gate. But why don't you let everybody know what you got going on? Because I think you have something important happening. Uh, maybe
2: one or two things. We got the Fantasy Football Black Book 2019, June 1st, dropping on Amazon. It's going to be good times. It's uh, going to be very exciting there. You got uh, Jake Sealy, Matt Franciscovich, uh, Nate Hamilton, Scott Bogman, uh, Gary Davenport, Chris Meaney. It's a, it's a who's who Derek Brown's in there too Tim Heaney and myself obviously and it's a, it's a great group. I'm really excited about this product we're putting out there. I think it's by far the best thing we've ever put out uh, especially football wise and uh, that's gonna be out June 1st on Amazon. It'll be on iTunes a little later, but you can always get it for any uh, um, Apple product with the uh, Kindle app for free. so Perfect. that's not a problem so go get it uh, when it comes out there and you can hear me on the Line star DFS. MLB uh, podcast five days a week, me and Chris Meaney. You can hear me on the Black Book with Welsh and Bogman on the Fantrax podcast network. And I do some writing over Fantrax too. I got the uh, team previews, AFC East already out. All four teams are done. So fantasy football fans, football is coming, baby.
1: Yep. If you can tell, Joe is a busy man. So go check him out. He's on Twitter <laughs> okay. at, at ps 17 And as he mentioned earlier, we're family. So go check him out. Thanks for joining me, Joe. I really, really appreciate
2: it. Always, my friend.
1: All right, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 170 with Joe P. Sapia. Catch you guys later.